Hello and welcome to Smoke and Burn. I'm Casey Gressif, and today joining me is Clint Campbell of Walton Distributing. How you doing, Clint? I'm doing very well, Casey. How are you? I'm good, man. So you and I, I'm trying to think of when we met. Did we go to BGU together at one point? We did. Um, I believe it was 2013, within my first year of working with Walton. Um, and I think you had made the transition into your territory up in Michigan. And I had started riding with Rick Biasioli at the time. And that was my first experience of BG in Wichita. That's right. Yeah. I think in 13, I came down to kind of scope things out because I was thinking about moving to Kansas and making the jump mm. to corporate and all that. That would so, make sense. Yeah, that's that's wild, that man. That was So how, how long had you been on the job at that point? I believe that was February of 2013, so about eight months. Um, still really green. I had covered a territory for one of our reps who had surgery in the meantime um, and worked in our warehouse. But up until then, I didn't really have any field experience other than baptism by fire covering for, for another rep of ours. <laughs> Just stop the floodwaters for a minute. That's exactly right. Here's the, uh, here's the route book. Go take care of these accounts. Uh, not really sure what's going on out there. Um, if you need help, call John, but he's in the hospital recovering. So um, go take care of them. <laughs> it's basically like take care of them. Try not to make anybody mad. We'll deal I mean, with the repercussions later. You'd be amazed at how many accounts I pulled into. And they were like, uh, we haven't done business with BG in 10 years. So, uh, <laughs> well, well, would you like to start? Yeah, we so we made a change with a territory uh, a few months back, and sorting through the account list was such a mess. I mean, it was it was just tons and tons of shops, and a lot of them were like that. It was like oh, we haven't seen right. a BG guy in two years. Right. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's a good feeling too. Makes you feel at home. Right. Now, what what did where did you come from before that? Like, what was your background coming into this? So I had gone to school in College Station um, and put three years into college and was trying to transfer from a junior college into Texas A&M. And I had run about all the hours I could at junior college and really dug myself a hole my first year and was trying to claw out of it and didn't quite have the grades to go to A&M. So I moved back home and started looking for a job. Um, went into this industrial park just outside of San Antonio um, and was knocking on doors and I came across BG and I was like, well, I've seen that before, but I really don't know what it is. Um, I was wearing a Texas A&M shirt, walked in the front door and, and Ronnie's wife was covering for the receptionist that day. And I don't know how many of you guys realize this, but if you are somehow affiliated to Texas A&M around Walton distributing, you, you kind of get an in. <laughs> At least a little bit. It's um, like a cheat code straight to the front of the line. Oh, yeah. I mean, and think of how many gatekeepers are up there, you know, just turning people away and uh, in any business. And just by having that AM shirt on, she walked me back to Ronnie's office and um, was like, there's a, there's a nice young man at the front wearing an AM shirt. Um, he's looking for some sort of sales job. Uh, would you like to talk to him? Um, and come to find out. Uh, my parents uh, grew up down the street from, or I grew up down the street from Rick Biasioli. Um, my parents still lived there up until a few months back. And Ronnie had made the connection based on my address um, and hooked me up to ride with Rick for a few days, see if it was something I was interested in. And then came back in and uh, was hired on, worked in the warehouse and the rest is history. That's man. That's like a a, uh, a just a, a a coincidence of fate. Basically, you just happen to walk into the right absolutely the right place and ask for a job. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was totally a god thing, and um, you know, it's not like I had ever been around cars. I hadn't had any sales experience. 
Um, and it was really cool that the Hinks were willing to take a chance on me. And I think it's worked out, at least from my end. Um, knowing Ronnie, you may hear a little differently, just depending on the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know much about cars or the auto industry, road. but I do have this orange shirt. Yeah. Well, don't don't wear the orange one. <laughs> That's not good. Oh no, am I screwing it up? What's what's Texas A and M's colors? A uh, and M is maroon. Orange is UP oh. Austin. You guys got too many, too many different things going on down there. Are there are some huge schools here. <laughs> huge schools, <laughs> and it really divides our state more than politics. It's like that's uh that's kind of, Michigan was similar. Like it was divided down the middle between. Michigan and Michigan State. Right. You had hideous green or hideous blue and yellow, which is like the worst com- color combination. <laughs> Makes me think of know, There's no Michelin. winning there. <laughs> right. So, okay. So you have worked for with alongside Rick Biasioli for uh, basically your entire career with BG. Can you kind right. of explain who Rick is and – in his history with BG. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so Rick came on with Walton um, back in the early nineties. Ronnie was his rep back then. And, and Rick was a technician at a independent shop that focused on BMWs. Um, and if you've met Rick, you know, he's got a really dynamic personality. Um, pretty quiet if you don't know him. Um, but once you do, it's all fun and games from there on. Um, Whatever he is into, he's going to be glued to and and just take it to the extreme. Um, and so Ronnie was trying to get him to come on to BG for a while, and he finally did. I think he said his first year he sold 30 grand. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. And so from that point um, to the early 2000s, um, he became one of the top 10, top 10, top 15 maybe um, in BG. And that was out of mostly the current territory we're in now. Um, some of it was shifted around and, and whatnot as reps have come and gone over the years. Um, we don't have a whole lot of guys that have been around for nearly 30 years. So I'm sure every distributor can um, share that experience. But um, you know, so he grew to that. And then, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's, I was just going to say, so uh, – Merle Gresseth, my grandpa, you know, was right. high up on the list for years and years and years. And his thing was always like, you know, you need to look at that list every month and you need to pick somebody on that list that you're going to try to knock off there every month. And That's his exactly right. was Rick, Rick Biasioli. And so <laughs> I have not heard all, that. It's like long before I ever met Rick, it was always like Merle just complaining about, you know, bragging or complaining about whether or not he beat. <laughs> I have not heard that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. He was like always, he's always tracking Rick to see where he was at. So I think they were neck and neck for a long time. I never hear anything but great things about Merle. Um, so that kind of, <laughs> that kind of catches me off guard. It's kind of funny to hear that because you know, Rick Biasioli has always looked up to Merle um, as long as I've been around. And oh, I, th- I, I actually got to see Merle at, at BG a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's kind of, I think he, he carries on his uh, competition relationship with me through Rick or with Rick through me. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah. He raises everybody. That's for sure. That's I great. think that's what it was. It was like, there was a, a kind of a mutual admiration there. And so that's why, you know, he always stuck with, with Rick. That was his goal was to try to beat Rick, you know? Well, it makes sense so. too. I mean, those guys had been around forever and, and you don't have, the number of reps that you do now. And so when you find a target, you kind of go at it. And I'm sure Rick was looking at it the other way is and Merle's right behind me. I'm not going to let him catch me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee that was part of the, the story. Well, and that list was a lot different, you know, 15 years ago. Like now it's crazy. There's so many million dollar guys. Like it's insane how many people are doing extremely well right now. Like, Back then, there was only a handful of those guys that were over a million dollars. And there was maybe one or two guys ever that were over two million or 2.5. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think about the time I started, maybe maybe uh, a little ways into your career with BG, 
I want to say there were 25 to 30 million dollar sellers. Um, I, I think that's probably the case. Yeah. Cause I know when I was on it, I, you know, Caleb and I were always like 20, 21, 22, right. Somewhere in there. Right. And I think we're at 65 or $70 million sellers now. Yeah. It's wild. Wild. And then you have like the top five that are, you know, over 2 million. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gotten nuts in that, that top section is, it's out of control nowadays. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. What a great problem to have. <laughs> so, um, so you started with Walton and you <clears throat> went and rode with Rick to kind of get a feel for things and see, I mean, did you and Rick just kind of click? Is that how things progressed? We did. Um, so I was working in the warehouse and that was going really well. Um, learning the product and kits and meeting all the other reps throughout Walton. Um, and Rick and I clicked, you know, we had a, a couple, um, things in common, you know, especially growing up in the neighborhood that he lived in, uh, still does live there. Um, and the other thing was he had mentored Blair Longmire from 2007 to, I believe 2010. Um, Blair was very good friends with my sister in high school. Um, <laughs> which which is funny now because I didn't have a clue who Rick was. And I had no idea that Blair was working for this company called BG that I recognized the logo of, but didn't know what it was. Um, and so I rode with Blair a couple of days too, um, back when he was in the Northern suburbs of, of San Antonio. Um, and so Rick had mentored Blair for four or five years. We had a sales manager at the time that had split them up. Um, and Rick had kind of gotten to the point where he was almost maxed out of what he could do um, as a one-man show. Um, and so when I came on, I think that kind of pulled him towards me even more. Um, and especially knowing I was ready to get out of the warehouse and, and go be a sales rep. Um, and so from... 2013 to now, uh, Rick and I have been, you know, somewhat partners, um, nonstop and Blair actually moved on to the North Austin area, um, and has taken a territory up there from about 60,000 a month to, I believe they did 150 last month. Um, wow. And so the mentor program was something that really shined within Walton. And, and I definitely wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, that's something you and I talked about the other day is uh, that model and how prevalent it's become with uh, some of our top performers. You know, I think certain Absolutely. distributorships have really made the most out of that. You know, they, they have a veteran guy who's a, a killer like Rick or, um, you know, like Merle was back back then and stuff and they you know bring on a young guy and just have him shadow him and be a support you know a support role and and uh and basically learn the business by working side by side with somebody who's a master absolutely and it it, by all accounts it seems to work really well well if it doesn't you don't hear about it (laughs) right (laughs) there's there's always that uh that guy doesn't work here anymore (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man um so yeah cool. we, and i think that's what's kind of cool is like you and i had a similar sort of uh background in bg we both kind of came up under you know one of the veteran guys and and learned from from their experience for sure um and it, you know it's actually been so good that um so blair moved to north austin and it was growing that territory and he kind of got to a point where he needed to either expand his team or, you know, kind of split territory. And one of my best friends from college was looking for a sales gig at the time and trying to get out of Shreveport and back to the San Antonio, Austin area, um, Colby Keeling. And so he came on a couple of years after me as Blair's mentor or partner or assistant or however you want to classify it. Um, and you know what they've been able to build that territory to 
has allowed them to bring another guy on. And actually Colby has, is moving to his own territory now. Um, just like the model has done all along. Um, Man, so it's really cool great. to see the different levels of it. For, for those of you guys that don't know Colby, uh, you know, not only is he an accomplished BG guy, but he's also uh, a musician, uh, singer songwriter. Is that is that accurate? He is. Yeah, that's right. So he he sings country music, and uh, he's got his own album out. I mean, he's he kind of doing some big things with that, isn't he? He's quite up and coming. Um, he just released another single uh, mid January, I believe, called "Wild as Her." Um, go check it out if you're into country music or especially the Texas, Oklahoma red dirt scene. Um, he was actually in the top 20 on the charts last week with that single. Yeah. Where, where could somebody find, uh, find his music? Colby's pretty strong on Spotify. Um, but also Apple music has really taken a liking to him and they've actually asked him to include his music on a few of their mainstream playlists. Um, I believe one is, Oh, don't catch me lying, but I believe it's a up and coming country um, or something along those okay. lines, but, but he's killing it. That's awesome. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a link to his uh, Spotify page in the, in the episode description. So for those of you that want to check it out, it's, it's definitely good. It's worth a listen. Even if you're not into country music, seeing one of our coworkers, um, excel in, in a different field at the same time is is really worth investing your time and, and effort into yeah absolutely so um enough of plugging so, colby casey <laughs> <laughs> he does enough of that on his podcast brought to you by colby keeling he um, hasn't gotten his bill for advertisement yet right yeah <laughs> Sponsored by Colby and uh, Green Apron. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. now you and you and Rick cover how? What's exactly is your territory? So for the most part, we are the northern half of of San Antonio. Um, we recently absorbed a territory outside of San Antonio um, while we are shifting some territories around and getting some new guys hired. Um, but if you if you cut San Antonio in half, we are very strong on the northeast quadrant and about 50-50 with another territory on the northwest quadrant. Um, at one time, Rick's territory was the northeast quadrant. Um, and as groups and dealers have grown and moved and built new stores, you know we've kind of expanded from there. Um, we've always kind of had an unspoken rule in our, in our distributor that if your account moves, as long as it's within a reasonable area, you get to keep it. Um, and so we've expanded over the last 15, 20 years, um, a little bit since I've been around, but mostly, um, when Rick was running the show by himself. Gotcha. Now your territory, do you guys cover just dealers or do you do uh, a mix of things? We do have both. Um, it seems like more and more we're getting to be just dealers. Um, but we do still have five um, strong independents and two that you know call when they need something. Um, and for the most part, these are guys that have carried over from when Rick was covering a whole territory and not really breaking it down by dealer or independent. Um, I gotcha. So they were just ones that insisted on dealing over. with you guys. Yeah. So either insisted on doing business with us or we're not letting our claws off of. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes you got to keep hold of them. There's a couple in particular that, that outperform um, several dealers. So we do everything we can to keep those guys happy and, and keep them within our territory. Now, do you guys deal with a lot of, uh, you know, large scale groups or do you have a lot of independent, like single point locations? So on that aspect, we're probably 50, 50. Um, we have two very strong groups where we have, um, all of the stores within the group. One has 
10 stores, one has five. Um, we have another group that uses us just in recon make ready PDI. Um, and they have six stores. We call on two of them. Um, other than just that, in single point dealers. So they just use you guys in, in recon and PDI. Like how does that work? So it's an interesting story. We had a guy go from our 10 dealer group to this one. Um, and he is just dead set that he is going to use BG and you know, he's the customer everybody wants um, as far as BG can go. And he moved in there. He keeps getting his hand slapped trying to, to push BG into the parts and service departments as a whole. <laughs> and so he was like, fine, I'm going to find an angle. Um, and at the time his GM was really coming down on their used car department, um, to find more gross, make more gross and make it a profitable department. And so through relationships that we had over the years, um, Rick and myself, um, put together a plan or a presentation for the GM used car director and used car service manager. Um, and from there, it's it's just been gravy. Um, those guys do a really good job of reconditioning their cars and making sure what they're putting out for sale is well-maintained and, and something that the customer can really rely on and drive business back to the store. Um, oh, that's interesting. So BG fits in perfectly. Now, is this like a large national group or something like that that's under contract with a different supplier? It's not, but they think they are. <laughs> Oh, I see. <laughs> so they they um, have the corporate mindset that they are locked into uh, mock. Um, don't mind saying that. Um, and they have been since 2008. Uh, Rick actually had them before then. Um, and from that time on, they have been locked into mock. And for some reason, <laughs> upper management uh, is under the impression that they cannot make any changes um no matter what we try and no matter how many of their managers wish that were the case so it's a sticky situation and we we do what we can with it um and it's actually been really beneficial for us and just having our face in those stores one of these days it's going to click and and we'll end up with the business for sure well i think recon recon and and pdi is like something that we don't pay a lot of attention to unless we're talking about like PVP or some sort of auto pour program. So you guys are selling, are you, are you selling like full scale services on those vehicles? We are We're we focus heavy on 65, 79 EPR and MOA. Every car that rolls through gets that kit. Um, everything else is upsold on an as needed basis. Um, but the services they have available to that department are, battery, um, stop squeal, ethanol defender, performance oil change, um, platinum fuel injection service, 44K MOA standalone, obviously. Um, and they actually use nothing but our 737 5W30 and all of their cars. You guys must be way trickier than me. There's, there's a, a pretty few, good arrangement. There's a few... Uh, <laughs> interesting arrangements um within that group just based on the nature of it and that manager you know trying to force bg <laughs> down the throat of corporate <laughs> that is awesome though there's a couple times we've had to be like all right kevin chill out <laughs> any anytime i hear somebody's got like oil moving in a dealership i'm like how, how what sort of witchcraft is this <laughs> <laughs> well if you look at if you look at used car and recon um, 737 and even 729 are a perfect fit because typically those dealerships have to stock 10, 12 different weights and different oils um, if they stick to manufacturer guidelines. Um, and 737 and 729 actually meet the criteria of so many different oil um, mandates that they can stock two or three different oils rather than the 15 that they had before. Um, I wonder if we've been able to drive that home pretty well. I wonder if right this second Spiro is 
screaming at his steering wheel. Like I told you so, I told you so. Absolutely. (laughs) And not only that, but we're going to pour MOA into the oil before we give it to you. Man, that's, that is awesome. That's a, that's a creative program. It's pretty cool. Sometimes I I think uh, that's some of the most interesting things to hear is just how people have figured out creative ways around roadblocks in some of these stores, you know, cause it's really easy when you don't Absolutely. get the traditional business to be like, well, you know, we did what we could. <laughs> that's, I mean, exactly that's, right. that's something that took a lot of work. I mean, you can tell just by the nature of what you've got in there that that took a lot of conversations and a lot of setup and a lot of follow up, right. I'm sure to make sure that it was going into the cars the way it was discussed originally. Right. And more than anything, the relationships, I mean, you, everybody knows this market, you know, you have techs, managers, advisors, GMs all the way up, um, you know, rotating stores and rotating companies all the time. Um, and so never lose touch with those guys that leave one of your accounts because they may be able to help you get into, even if it's a different department, get into one of your, um, competitor stores. That's great advice. And actually one of the, so back to you talking about the, uh, you know, off the rails forms of selling BG. Um, <laughs> one of Rick's little quirks has always been as a technician, he he never went straight to the managers or even the service department office, so to speak. He always went into the shop first um, and talked to techs. And as we're all told all the time, you know, do your homework. He would spend months talking to techs and, and going in the quote unquote back door. Um, and finding the the hot buttons so that when he did go up front, he had all kinds of things laid out. Um, And I mean, that one just falls right in line with the way we've done used car and recon departments because you always find some kind of angle that's almost unbeatable as far as getting your foot in that door. Well, I think it's, you know if you spend time talking and listening with everybody in the shop and not just the service manager, you know, the lead tech, the main advisor, like you get a much better grasp on what their pain points are, you know, and then you can, you can structure your, you know, your offering to, uh, to hit those points. That's a, it's funny because that's, you know, Merle was really strong on that stuff too. Like, and that's stuff that's hard to teach somebody. Like that's something that you almost have to observe, you know, right. in an account. Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of the, the, the older generation of guys were great at doing is they, they worked the entire store and got everybody pulling in the same direction, you know, all roadblocks out of the way. No, no secrets, no surprises. I mean, everybody is, is, is moving in the same direction, you know, and that takes a lot of work and a lot of time invested in people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to find those pain points. And, and once you do, you know, BG gives us all the tools to do everything from there on. So when you and I were talking the other day, uh, you mentioned that, you guys had kind of a, a, a scare recently where you got a manager from another large group We did um, that came in and, and you thought you might be in jeopardy in one of your accounts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So back to the point of, of the relationships and you never know where things are going to go from, from one store to the next. Um, we had a fixed ops VP move in from the Sonic group who I believe is under contract with mock. <clears throat> and yeah. so from the second we heard he was coming, it was like, well, shit, here we go. <laughs> um, and as he, you know, got settled, we just knew that call was coming eventually. And um, as strong of a relationship as we have with that group, uh, we were in a quarterly meeting with the um, dealer principal and, and the fixed ops VP. And one of the comments was that was made was that, you know, he had been given free reign of parts and service departments um, through the five stores that, that this company owns. 
to do what he wanted to, bring in who he wanted to, kick out who he wanted to, but leave BG alone. Um, and we had always known that we had a strong relationship with with this dealer principal and, and the company as a whole. Um, but to get that kind of feedback from a competitor, loyal, fixed ops VP moving into the area um, and not knowing us from Adam was a huge boost in, in confidence for that store. And not only did he not kick us out and move to a competitor, um, but he wanted to do everything he could with the strength of that relationship to build on his fixed ops departments using BG as much as possible. Um, and so we've done, wow, probably five competitions in the last year and a half um, backed by him um, to, to push BG sales. Um, and I just found out last week that now he's very interested in our menus and we have a webinar set up on Friday um, to help push things even more. That's awesome. So not only did he not, not only did he come to terms with the arrangements you guys had with that group, but he embraced it on top of that. Absolutely. To the fullest. That's, that's incredible. I think he saw it as, you know, I can't get rid of these guys, so I'm going to milk them for everything they've got. Um, and little did he know that we were totally on board with that. <laughs> Bring it on, man. Use me. Now, like, was that a pretty good customer before he showed up? They were. Um, absolutely. Um, so they have five stores. They have four General Motors stores, two Buick, one Chevy, one Cadillac. And they also have um, Land Rover of San Antonio. Um, and they were producing, um, general penetration was typically around 25% or so. Um, you know, we'd do competitions and that kind of thing and, and we would get a little more juice out of them. Um, but without having a fixed ops VP in that group, the stores weren't held to a standard accountability level across the whole group. Um, and so you'd have the guys that are really strong on March, April, May, um, June and July. They're so busy. They don't sell anything. You know, that's always their, their go-to excuse. Um, then they'd pick up a couple months in the fall and, you know, that whole process was kind of rotating throughout the group. And so not everybody was firing on all cylinders at all times. Um, and that's one thing that he has really streamlined and we get very good results, very good purchases out of that group. Um, at a steady level every month, even in the winter, um, which is typically the, the downtime around here. Man, that's, that's awesome. You know, that, that kind of hits home for, uh, for me at the moment. Cause we, uh, you know, one of my coworkers up in Kansas city, you know, has been, really, you know, just dumped himself into this uh, GM store up there over the past year or so. We had him a little over a year, I think. And I mean, he has worked that place hard and it's just been one roadblock after it. They started out super strong for like two months. They just sold the crap out of everything we could put in front of them. And then they ran afoul of their parts loyalty deal. And uh, so everything got trimmed back. Yeah, it just it was just an ebb and flow ever since. And I think two weeks ago, a fixed ops director from another store came in and basically like wouldn't even have a conversation with him. Wow. You know, and it, it it was it's it's always sucks, you know, but it sucks especially in a store where like you know you've done a good job. Like you know you've been there you know, you've worked the program that you've done everything you could try to do to help them. And still like this one guy changes positions and boom, now you're out, you know, not only that, but you know what they're capable of. Makes yeah. It that's a little more that makes it yeah, right. It's just a little lemon juice in the cut. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a, a testament to the idea of, you know, you got to work, higher up the level, you know, wherever you're at sitting at with your, you know, credibility right now, like you need to go up a level, you know, is that the service manager? Is that the general manager, the, the dealer owner, you know, 
it's it's easy to be comfortable in an account where you're doing pretty well and there's no you know you don't really feel an urgent need to like walk into that front office right but you just never know what's going to change you know you don't know how important that's going to be 2 months from now well i think the biggest thing is if you're if you're doing your job you know the way we're supposed to you're covering all your bases why are you not going up to that next level um it can be a little nerve wracking when you don't have your bases covered to take it to that next step. Um, but if you're doing your job and, and you're confident in what's going on in that store, man, the, the best thing you can do is get that buy-in from the next level, um, whether it's revenue reports or, or just a relationship. Um, you'd be amazed at what you can accomplish when you have the support coming all the way from the top. Oh, Absolutely. I think if nothing else, you know, just management and and employees and service and stuff like that, just knowing that, you know, you, even if it's not outright support, just them just knowing that the owner or the, the, the GM knows about the program and is fine with it, you know, maybe that emboldens them to make changes and stuff as well. Did you ever watch Walker, Texas Ranger? Just... Just humor me. Oh, man. <laughs> Chuck Norris. No. Good old Chuck Norris. Right, right. So so the, the main I have, line of... I have a feeling that doesn't hold up real well. <laughs> so the main line of, of the theme song is the eyes of Texans are upon you. And it gets real dark and spooky. <laughs> but if you if you think about how that works in some of our dealerships and, and even independent stores, when you know that the boss is watching... And you know that they're invested in what we're doing. Doesn't it make you think just a little bit, you know, they're watching me. I need to do what I've, what I've been told and what I know that I'm capable of. Right. The eyes of Texas are upon you. You should start every meeting off by playing a Walker, Texas Ranger episode. You know, around here that would actually go a long way. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's Every market's weird. different. Your own don't be judging. There. Don't be judging. Every market's different. <laughs> uh, there's been like like ten points since we started talking about Texas just being its own its own place. <laughs> it really is Shoot, shooting it really is. out of helicopters and whatnot. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tech, that's, so that's one point that I would like to get across is. You know, as as different as Texas is, and sometimes, you know, we're pretty proud of our state, but as big as Texas is and as, as proud as we are, you have so many different markets just within one state. Um, and God, I can't tell you how extreme the differences are. Um, even within Walton Distributing, we have San Antonio and Austin Metro um, are our big, you know, <clears throat> our big uh, markets. Those two markets could not be more different um, as far as customers, dealerships, stores, companies, um, and just mindset. Um, and then you throw in, you know, like DFW. Wow. That's, that's a whole different story. And then I've gotten to know some of the guys uh, at LSI Houston over the last few years. And some of the things that they deal with and the 35 different competitors that they see on a daily basis just blow my mind um and to where we don't have a whole lot of competition um i guess right in front of us those guys are dealing with it every day and still man look at the numbers coming out of that place um and so as we talk about you know texas being its own country (laughs) and uh things are different here we have so many different styles and so many different markets that we deal with on a daily basis. And, and overall, I think Texas is pretty strong. Um, yeah. As far as BG goes. Absolutely. It's yeah. Really there's cool a, see. there's a lot of strong distributors down there. Absolutely. So uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about, you've kind of mentioned it a couple of times. Um, you had, you had talked to me about how, uh, contests and promotions, how you guys work those and use them, you know, all the time in your territory to, to drive sales, 
and to uh, just keep things exciting. You want to talk a little bit about how you guys build contests and, and how often you run them. So if you look at our territory as a whole, we have some sort of competition or promotion going at all times. Um, some of them are your generic, uh, you know, you guys hit this penetration, we'll, we'll cater lunch. Um, which at some stores, that's all you need. Um, some, some things get a little crazier when, when you have a 10 store group and you're trying to come up with a competition that is on a level playing field for all involved. Um, you know, for instance, that, that group has everything from a massive Ford Lincoln store to a, what, six, eight, eight bay Subaru shop, um, on the outskirts of town. And so when you're trying to put together a competition, you have to come up with how am I going to make this a level playing field where that little store out there doesn't just lay down on us because they can't compete with the big city store. Right. Um, Those four GM stores probably see a lot different customer mix than the Land Rover store in that group you were talking about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And so when you, when you really look at putting a competition together, you kind of have to analyze what you have in front of you. And mainly the type of, of, you know, commitment you get from management um, throughout the, the group or the store. And so we typically base a main component of a competition on advisor penetration of BG sales per customer pay RO. Um, that way, if you're writing 100 services or, or 100 ROs, or if you're writing 1,000 ROs, you know, you still have the same opportunity as far as penetration goes. Right. Um, and then we break it down a little further into more of a category style. And we'll have um, typically fuel services, performance oil changes, which is what we call our 6579 kit, um, AC EVAP services, and sometimes the ethanol products um, on that list. And those will be on a sales basis. So, you know, even though you only wrote a hundred ROs last month, if you sold 50 ethanol kits, you're killing it, man. (laughs) But it also gives the um, larger stores a little bit more advantage because they do see more customers. And so not only are you catering to the small store by changing towards the penetration number, but you're also giving those big guys a shot to, to succeed. Um, and so really it just depends on what you have in front of you and being able to maximize the BG exposure in those stores um, and making sure that you have a solid foundation of, of relationships with, with management and, and upper management. So do you have like a contest going right now? What are we in? We're in February. Uh, we do not. No. Um, but you've got one starting. So we start, month, right? we start next Monday, uh, March well, what is next Monday? March 2nd. Um, so we'll start March 2nd with that 10 dealer group and we'll go March, April um, with those guys. We have a traveling trophy that goes between the stores. Um, and we, we do this competition twice a year. So we do March, April, and then we do August, September um, with the same guys. And the trophy you know, changes hands every six months. Um, Beyond that, there's a top five penetration category, and then we have top three in fuel, top three in 6579, top three in AC services um, for that group coming up. And then we have so a have- award dinner at the end to um, you know, highlight those guys that busted their butt all month long and not only made themselves the money, but made us some money as well. Um, and it's, God, it's well worth it. So in those separate categories, do you have separate like prizes that they can win? Typically our prizes beyond the trophy are cash because cash is king. Um, right. We do, uh, we do have some other competitions where we'll do something like um, a TV prize or a trip. Um, a couple of years back, I started you know, looking at different ways to incentivize beyond cash and I've found Expedia Um, and Expedia has all kinds of bundles where you do a hotel, a flight, maybe a rental car um, and you actually get really competitive prices. And so 
I'll find a, a vacation that fits the criteria and is in a reasonable price range. Um, and for instance, there's a, there's a girl at one of our Lexus stores that's in Cozumel right now on our dime. Um, and that was because of her performance in the August, September competition. I think, I think there's some, something to be said for, um, you know, having like a, a very specific thing that they can set their sights on. Cause you know, you're right. Money is the, you know, ultimately cash is king, cash is king, but you know, it's easy for a, a person who, who wins cash to, you know, just put that cash into their account or just put it towards whatever their day-to-day stuff is, you know, right. whereas like if they stand to win, you know, a weekend trip, well, that might be something they would never justify buying themselves. But now, I mean, if they win it, it's theirs, you know, and sometimes that really exactly. gets gets the competitive juices flowing for some people. And when you change it up like that, you actually find what does make people tick. For instance, the girl that's in Cozumel right now never gave any kind of effort when there was a cash prize or a trophy. But the first time that we said, hey, top advisor selling fuel services gets a trip to Cozumel. She was the top dog immediately. Um, and this is actually her second trip. One to Belize, I believe, and one to Cozumel. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. And so obviously the vacation thing is what ticked for her. Um, and not just her, but, um, you know, you have to find different things that, that get people excited. Yeah, I mean, it is Texas. You could give away like a belt buckle the size of a manhole cover or something like that. I should have seen that coming. I should have known. <laughs> Grand prizes, bullets. <laughs> that's that's not enticing enough because everybody has enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like this contest that you're running next month, I, I'm assuming you ch- you change it around a little bit every time you run it, right? We do. So we'll highlight different services. Um, we will make the goal a different. Um, penetration level. Um, we'll change up what we're doing for the award ceremony, whether we're going to a fancy steakhouse or a you know local favorite um, around San Antonio. And so you, you find out what makes people tick and, and you adjust the competition accordingly. Um, you, know, you have a yeah. lot of people that just want to win just to win. And then you have the people that they're not going to do anything unless you get that carrot an inch from their face. Yeah. You just tick the right box. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Now, like this one that you're running next month, I mean, obviously you want to make it fun. Obviously you want to sell more BG. Is there anything in particular that you guys are really focused on driving with this, this contest? So this is actually a group that, um, through a consultant group four years ago, um, came in and cut down our fuel services to a 203, 4068, and 210 kit for their main fuel service. Um, and it was really a slap in the face to us and, and really frustrating. Um, and so lately, we've been really hammering the platinum service within these stores, and it's taken off like wildfire. Um, the big Ford Lincoln store, uh, Mazda, Subaru, actually two Subaru stores within that group, um, Volkswagen. I think that's it. Those guys have, have embraced the Platinum um, platform and have really hit the ground running with it. And so it's nice to see that we have an actual reputable fuel service that's getting pushed within these stores again. Um and so that's going to be one of the highlights of the competition. And that's probably going to be the main focus. So you just want that to totally overshadow the silly fuel kit that the, the consultant group put in. I want that thing to grow dust on the shelf. We could do a whole episode of just dumb ideas that consultant groups have put in place. Sign we me up. We could probably do a whole series on that. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> we keep running with into, my somewhat uh, short career with bg i've seen way too much of that you're right God. you guys do you ever run into ethos no i don't believe so 
Oh, they're so annoying. They find like a, a dealer that's not doing well. They buy partial ownership in the in the store oh, or the group of stores. And like the first thing they do is like, well, you have to use wins. So they tell us to come pick up our stuff. And then they just deliver like this pallet of wins, equipment <laughs> and product. And no one shows up to trade them on it. And Both no one puts it in parts. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows what's what. It's just like, oh, we have an agreement with them. So you have to you have to uh, accept this pallet of garbage, you know, just on principle. Great. <laughs> yeah. Where's our coolant kit? Uh, I don't know. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. Go through those boxes. Figure out which one you can pour in. Yeah, I'm sure it's on the label. You know, just read it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, we laughed at the future. Oh, it's 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 how it always goes. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I, consultant groups crack me up because it's like so many times. It's like an owner that was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Take the reins and just make some sort of progress, you know, and they yeah. usually find some metric by which they helped out, but oh, the course. rest of the store is on fire. Well, they're paying a lot less for their urinal cakes now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's call yeah. it a win. Good news. We found you a cheaper paper towel. Oh, bad news. Uh, you guys, all of your advisors miss CSI. So, that's yeah. kind of your problem. And you're going through <laughs> 74 paper towels per hand washing. <laughs> Cheaper is not better. I don't care yeah. what you're talking about. You get what you pay for. That's, that is the truth. Oh, man. Oh, in fact, man. that last consulting group that came into that group, um, they were giving us supposed BG pricing from around the country. Um, and they came up with one that was eighty four three two dot four, and they were paying three dollars and ten cents for it. Um, oh sure, yeah. And and I was like, dude, do you not see what's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're telling me you're going to use three dollar brake fluid in your new Maserati? Are you really? You're going to do that? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see your source material here. You, I hope you got great. footnotes. <laughs> that was great. And then the same ding dong, actually, I guess was doing the same thing for a uh, Buick GMC store up in Oklahoma. And rather than sending competitive pricing um, from you know that mysterious place somewhere in the U.S., he sent my pricing to whoever the rep was <laughs> in Oklahoma. And and he called me immediately and he goes, holy crap, how are y'all selling it for that price? <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> well, first off, that has all kinds of incentives and spiffs and machines and whatever built into it. I said, that's the part that these consulting groups don't get. And so, you know, it may be the same scenario with that $3 kit. It may be packaged with a 403 or something like that, that they're charging you $10 on top of the base price for. Yeah, and, it's and these the, consultants are dorks, man. It's the illusion of positive change. That's all Absolutely. they're after. It doesn't have to fix anything. It just needs to look on paper like we brought something to the table. Exactly. So frustrating. Thanks, Chris <laughs> Collins. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Oh man. man. So, all right. I got to ask you, um, you got to have some bad demo stories. I mean, you're <laughs> out there in the trenches. You've, you've seen some, some horrible things. I'm sure you got a one in particular that rings a bell that you want to share. Oh man. Um, <clears throat> so when I met you at BGU in 2013, <laughs> um, I believe it was Charlie that was doing demos at the front of the class. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's and right. his main point was, you know, if you screw this up, just drop the test tube and walk away. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if I subconsciously took that to heart or what, but um, six months to a year after, after that BGU class, I was doing demos in my garage at my parents' house <laughs> at the time down the street from Rick. 
Um, and I was actually recording it so I could work on word tracks and that kind of thing and not sound like a dumbass going into these shops and having to drop a test tube. And I'm <laughs> working on an EPR demo. I've got a coded bearing in the test tube. I'm focusing on my word track and, and, you know, looking at the camera and clinking it around as it's getting clean. And all of a sudden <laughs> I hear clink ching <laughs> and the ball bearing <laughs> had uh, hit the, the bearing machine rolled onto the floor. Um, and that was cool. It was kind of running away. The big thing was there were flames engulfing my garage. <laughs> Uh, so when the when the Pyrex or the glass tester broke, uh, the EPR went straight through the torch flame and ignited on contact. Um, and luckily, I was able to get it out, and no animals were harmed in the making of that video. Um, <laughs> when they say drop the testing, you know, typically it's something you're planning to do because you botched the demo, not because you weren't paying attention trying to figure out how Charlie keeps. Uh, coolant from flowing out of that can. Um, <laughs> just they make it look so easy, and as a new guy, you're like, man, I just I have to work on this. You go in your garage and end up lighting it on fire. <laughs> it's great, um, but man, awesome. the, the amount of times we've screwed up demos in the field just cracks me up. But as long as you have to see that video, films, oh man, it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> it's out there. Give, it uh, will be if you send it to me. Give Biasi only a call. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll share it immediately. Oh, that's horrible. It's out there like uh, Rick Hunter's high school yearbook photo. Oh, Occasionally, man. I send that back out into circulation just so, just so it stays alive. That can't be good. It's a, uh, yeah. It's a. a, a <laughs> travesty of of hairdos that's for sure <laughs> oh, oh, the days, Casey. you know rarely do we have any like actual emergencies at bgu but if we do it's always because of that demo you know epr we had like multiple table fires because somebody would like knocked that bearing through the side of the test tube or you know, like if you have a test tube that has a little hairline fracture, that's the, that's the demo where you find it. Either it breaks the bottom out of it, or it just starts to slowly leak EPR, which then catches on fire. (laughs) So we now know the real reason that there's a literal demo room. (laughs) Everything is metal. (laughs) (laughs) All because of guys like me. Great. It's yeah. always, well, at it's least always what to... I've wanted to be known for. Yeah, you were courteous enough to do it at your own house, so we appreciate that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Man, that demo room is is top notch, though. It's absolutely it, incredible. It is nice. If you guys uh, haven't had a chance to get to BGU or up into the uh, proving grounds at at BG headquarters, make sure you make that trip. That's, yeah, and that's. Standalone. How how many times have you been to uh, training classes at BG? Oh man, uh, this is 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went in 2013, 2015, um, and I went back to BGU in August um, to accompany Rick's son Austin Biasioli, who's who's coming up under us um, as the next generation of mentorees with Walton. Um, so BGU three times. I was recently there for the fixed ops um, specialty class uh, with Cox Automotive. Um, That was huge. Great learning process. Um, So I think all in all, five. And then we've had a couple rep cons there since I've been around. So so maybe seven that I've actually got to go to BG headquarters. Um, Probably El Dorado three times, four times maybe. Um, but man, every time I'm there, I learn something different, either, either picking it up from the trainers, um, the other reps around you in the room, sharing experiences, sharing stories, sharing all the funny goof ups. (laughs) Um, I've always been one of those people who I'm, I'm totally cool with learning for some, from someone else's mistake rather than (laughs) doing it myself. (laughs) It's the way to go for sure. Man, there are so many mistakes in the BG world (laughs) to learn from. (laughs) 
<laughs> and if you can't laugh at yourself, you probably don't belong. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. Great. That's great. Yeah, but yeah I, I highly recommend people taking the time to go to BGU or any of the training courses that, that BG offers um, you know, outside of, of RepCon and zone meetings because for one, the camaraderie you have with, with BG personnel around the country um, and their headquarters is second to none. And for two, the amount of information that, that we all store within ourselves and our territories can do so much for someone you're, that's not expecting it. Um, man, it just, it's surreal. But. It's, it's a lot of times the most valuable things that come out of BGU are the discussions between reps, you know, that happen like when we're not teaching the class, you know, those are, that's when the really cool ideas come out or people really get to thinking about what they could do differently in their territory. And, you know, I think another point worth making, cause I know that you've, you know, been out of your, out of your distributorship to ride with other reps and stuff like that. Right. Um, there's a lot of value to that too. And it might not be something that's available to absolutely everybody, but, uh, you know, I would strongly encourage you guys if, if, if you've been through, you know, BGU and some of those things, you know, and it's been a few years since you've had any sort of real, you know, formal training, it might not be a bad idea to, to talk to your distributor about maybe going and riding with another guy at a different distributorship. Um, yeah. Cause I know like Clint, Absolutely. I know you went up and rode with Caleb and Michael Paul. I did. In uh, Primaco, Michigan. I did. And I recently did that too. I, I went up in August and uh, it was, I mean, it just, some of the little things that I, that I took out of, you know, watching how those guys work in a store and, and just see the interactions they have with their customers, you know, just, there was a lot of things. One of the ones that was most apparent though, was that I, I, you know, really started reflecting on how I've been dealing with my customers. And I, I realized like, I am, I am not spending enough time with these people, you know, like, uh, just watching Caleb and Mike, you know, invest, you know, massive amounts. I mean, you know, we'd be, I'd be looking at my watch thinking like, all right, we've talked to everybody, let's go. And like they, they always made the effort to reconnect with somebody before they left or to, you know, to stop by and say goodbye to the guy that they didn't really get to talk too much and stuff. And those little things go so far, you know, when it comes to, absolutely, there's so many things that, that an advisor or a tech can think about during the day that don't have anything to do with you. Those little things, you know, make you important to them. For sure. I will never forget. We were at a Land Rover store there in Caleb's territory. And he literally gave me the life story of every single technician in that shop. He knows everybody. (laughs) And I remember standing there thinking, how can you possibly spend the time as big as that territory is and as, as successful as it has been? How can you spend that kind of time with every tech that comes and goes from that place? And and he proved it to me that day. I mean, we, we spent two and a half, three hours in the shop just talking to technicians, not picking up circles or chips, not not doing anything other than talking to those guys. Um, and that's something that I've I've brought back to our territory and, and have tried to make a point of is, you know, spend time with, you know, the quote unquote little guy. Um, you never know where you might end up. All right. Yeah. And you want to talk about like, the old school way of, of building accounts, you know, that, that's a, like one of the things that, that Merle was huge on as well is like, you got to connect with everybody there, the people who are important to you today and the people who aren't important to you today, you know, because they all matter in the long run. And, you know, that's how you build momentum in an account. Right. Well, I think the moral of that you know story is, you know, build the relationships and, and watch them grow. Um, you'll be amazed at what it can do for your business. But but not only that, you know, what you can do for the people in your industry and, and those that are your coworkers, um, you know, the possibilities are endless. But you've got to start that relationship and, and build on it to be able to experience those things. Absolutely. Well, Clint, 
thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Like, uh, for sure. We talked about it the other day when you were at that Cox class and then scheduling changes and stuff. I mean, we got to move it up a bit, but, uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing some of what you've gone through in your, in your career. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to do it. All right. Well, like I said, guys, I'll, uh, I'll include a link to, uh, Colby Keeling's Spotify page in, uh, in the episode description. So be sure to check that out. And uh, for those of you guys that are going to the zone meeting in Austin, uh, I'll, we'll be seeing you there. I'm sure you'll be there, right? Absolutely. It's about 30 minutes from my house. All right. We'll make a point to come I up. I'll give you all my address. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not going to happen. All right, Clint. Have a good night, man. Absolutely, Casey.